Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to 3 John. 3 John. If you would please stand for the reign of God's Word. You say, well, where's 3 John? Now go to Revelation, back up to Jude, and then 3 John. All right, if you back up. Yeah, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. We call them the little Johns, but they're all the same John. And uh, it's the third epistle of John. We'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that, th- that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diophrathes, who loveth to have preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content wherewith neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath good report of all men, and of truth itself, yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee, but I trust I shall shortly see thee. And we shall speak face to face. Peace to to thee, our friend, salute thee. uh, Our friends, salute thee. Greet the friends by name. I want you to look back in verse 3. It says, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified the truth that is in thee, when as thou walkest in the truth. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, Walking in Truth. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. We thank you for the songs that's been sung and the thoughts and the words, Lord, from these songs, Lord, that speak to our hearts. And especially thinking of the song that we've given our best, Lord, and do we give our best to you. And it's so important, Lord, for us to give our best unto you, to live for you, to serve you, to magnify you. Lord, I believe that would even be akin to the message that we would preach tonight. And so, Lord, I pray that you speak to hearts, Lord. And there may be someone here who doesn't know Jesus Christ their Savior. If they was to die today, they do not know they go to heaven. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict and work in their lives and draw them to you, Lord, that they might get saved even this day for your honor and glory. That they might have hope and realize that they're going to heaven when they die one day. Father, I thank you for loving us. Strengthen the brethren, Lord. Be with our church. Help us to grow in you. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. 
John's writing unto Gaius here. He's commending him for his testimony of the Lord. We don't know a whole lot about this man here by the name of Gaius. Uh, he's not the pastor of this church. In fact, if you go over there in verse, in verse 9, you find that Diophysus, apparently he has somewhat of a rule in that church where, where John is writing to. And he, he had evidently wrote to Diophysus and he wouldn't receive the letter. And so now he's writing to Gaius, who is actually trying to serve the Lord and live for God. Gaius here, uh, we don't know a whole lot about him. We don't, you know, there's no knowledge as to whether he was a preacher or evangelist or, and to the best of our knowledge, he wasn't. He was just a, and I don't mean this wrong when I say just a, but he is a Christian who's serving God, who's living on a day-by-day basis to magnify the Lord and to get the Word of God out and to try to be a, a blessing to others and, and try to live in such a way that others can see Jesus Christ in his life. You see, not everybody's going to stand behind a pulpit. Not everybody's going to the mission field. Not everybody's going to teach a Sunday school class. But every single one of us are to live for the Lord Jesus Christ if we know Him as our Savior. Yes, this man was unashamed to openly, and, and it was in dangerous times. If you go back and look at the, time, the day and time when John is writing this, uh, many of the, uh, the apostles and different ones were being... Uh, were being slain, were being killed for their stand for the Lord. The, the church had been scattered throughout the, all the, the world, and, and many of them were being persecuted because of it. And here we find this man that he's writing to, Gaius here. He was unashamed to stand for Jesus Christ and to live openly for the Lord. I want us to look at this tonight. I want us to get some understanding. God doesn't put these things in here just to give us a, some history. But he puts, them in, he puts this in here for us to get an understanding about ourselves and how we're to live in this day and time also. We find here that uh, living for the Lord doesn't mean that it's easy. See, where you get that at, preacher? Didn't see that. Well, look at this with me here. Look at verse 1. It says, The elder, that's John, uh, he says, Unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. In verse 2 he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosperous. It's commonly thought that Gaius had a health issue because he talks about, because John's writing him there concerning the fact that he said, I, I wish that your health prospered like your soul is prospering. He went on to brag about how his soul was prospering and how that he was living for God. And he said, I, I wish I, that he said, I, I, I wish above all things. He said, I look at how you live. And he said, I wish that your health, that you was in good health, just like your soul's in good health. Just like you're living for God, that you were, you're abounding in the Lord. He said, I wish that you was abounding in the Lord also. And probably he didn't have a lot of money or, or wealth either. We look on down there and it says that thou mayest prosper, that that. Uh, above all things that thou mayest prosper. So he probably didn't have a whole lot of money. Living on a meager income. His health wasn't there, so he probably wasn't able to, to farm or to do a lot of the tasks that maybe the men did at that, that day and time. And so possibly he did not have a whole lot of money. Didn't have a lot of things. And yet he was living for God. Sometimes, you know, Christians think, well, I, I don't have the resources to help in the ministry or to help others. But remember the words of our Savior in Mark chapter 12. Verse 42 says, And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites which make a farthing. 
And he called uh, unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast in into, into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. He said, Preacher, you preacher, not trying to get us to tithe more? No, that's not what I'm trying to get you to see. I'm trying to get you to see here that you don't have to have a lot in resources to do something for God. You don't have to have all kinds of money and, 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 and to be able to, to help somebody out to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, somebody's in need, and, and sometimes it may not even be money. Sometimes it's maybe, maybe uh, uh, some food, or maybe it's uh, something that you got the house. You know, a lot of us, we could probably go through the house and find things that somebody needs and give it to them. Notice what Gaius did with what he had, though. Verse 6, it says, which have borne witness of thy charity. You say, preacher, that's love. Yes, but in this instance here, it is giving in love. This charity is. He says, uh, we have borne witness of thy charity before the church, because you read on and you see this, whom if thou, being forward, who, if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that, uh, for his name's sake, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. And so basically what was happening, Gaius may not have had a lot, but he used what he had for the Lord to get the gospel out. Uh, we don't know what he did. He brought them forward, it talks about there, on their journey. And basically, if you look at the meaning of that, what it means is, is that as they came through that area where he was or, or to that church where he was, he used what he had to help them so that as they went throughout the area to preach the gospel and, and even moved on, they didn't have any need of anything. He took care of their needs. He, he, maybe he fed them. Maybe he washed their clothes. Maybe he mended their clothes. I don't know what all he did. But he provided what he had to help them to get the gospel out and to go where they was going so they could get the gospel out. He used what he had. He may not have had a whole lot. But he used what he had. You think about the, the widow and her little child, a little boy that during the drought and and the prophet came to him and said, give me a drink of water and, and uh, make me a cake. And she said, I'm just, I went and gathered these sticks just so that uh, uh, we're going to make that a little bit of meal and just a little bit of oil. And I'm going to make it just enough for a last cake. My son's going to eat part of it. I'm going to eat part of it and we're going to die. He said, make me a cake first. Make me one first. And so at his bidding she did and they continued many days, the Bible says. The meal and the oil never wasted. It never dried up. Using what she had for the Lord. Using what she had to bring honor and glory to the Lord. You know, apparently it wasn't easy for Gaius. And probably because of health problems was one of the big problems there. He said again, he said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. And be in health even as thy soul prospereth. We know that his soul prospered in the Lord, in magnifying the Lord. They speak of it throughout the rest of Scripture. And so he's referring to the fact, I wish that your health was good. But apparently it wasn't. Otherwise he would have never brought it up. 
But whatever the health issues were, Gaius had, he kept on serving the Lord and he kept encouraging others in the Lord. And it's not always easy, but we, we as, as the children of God need to walk in truth and continue uh, that it may be help to others in the Lord. I, I, you've heard me tell of, of Myra Vavak, and I, I, I can't help it, but I, knowing the pain and the struggle that she was in and, and all that she tried to do, and, and she was down to a place where she could do very little but pray and, and try to encourage people. She was in a, in, a, in a motorized wheelchair, and she had to take those crippled hands and, and move that wheelchair around, and when her husband would reach down and take a hover and lift up, she would scream because of the pain in her body, all over her body. She got about 30 minutes of sleep uh, at a time through the night and, and she would lay on the couch. She couldn't lay in the bed and she lay on the couch and she was in pain. And so she uh, one day when she knew I was in evangelism, she said, Brother Haggett, she said, if you'll give me a list of the places you're going to be preaching, she said, I'll pray for you. She said, I'll pray for you all night. She said, I'm awake most of all night. I'd come back from preaching and we'd have great meetings, have people saved. And she'd say, well, how many got saved? I'd tell her how many got saved. And she said, I was praying people get saved. And, and God used her in the way that, that, uh, that what she could do. And she was in pain. And she, I remember seeing her sitting. You, I never heard her come. She would give testimonies. And can I tell you something? I never once heard her complain about being in that wheelchair and being in pain and hurting a, a continually all the time. But I remember seeing her with that little stick that they took uh, that was a, a little bit like a ruler and they took an old white handkerchief and, or not an old one but a, a white handkerchief and they put it on there and they tied it up there on the end of it and, and everything and she would sit in there and, and the preacher would be preaching and, and she, boy, she'd wave that stick and man she'd shake that handkerchief and she would glorify God. She was doing what she could. And sometimes now we get like... <laughs> My nose is starting to run. I don't think I can go to church today. <coughs> oh, my limbago. And it don't keep us, it don't take much to keep us out. A good friend of ours by the name of Dwight Parker. He had that mesothelioma. He worked for GAF in Annapolis, Missouri, just north of Piedmont there. And for years, they crushed the rock that they made, that they painted, and it was shipped out, and that's what went on through those GAF shingles. The silicon in those rocks as they crushed them made it into the air. They wore masks. But he still got that mesothelioma. I don't know how old was he. He was in his late 40s, early 50s. And he died with mesothelioma. But before he died, he was in so much pain, they took him down, to, down into Texas. I don't, I don't remember whether it was Austin or Houston. It may have been Houston, Texas. There's a, there's a hospital down there that they, that's dedicated to, to controlling pain. They even went in and put a, a, a device in, inside of him that released pain medicine to try to stop the pain. He was in so much pain continually. And he wanted to be in, in church so bad. You know what they did? They brought a recliner and they set it in. They moved a couple chairs out and they set a recliner back here for him. 
And they'd help Dwight get in there and he'd get back in that in pain and be hurting and sitting and sit there in that in that recliner. And he'd sing those songs with everybody else. I remembered Dwight. He used to sing specials and he would get nervous and, and he he generally liked to sing Beulah Land. His voice began to quiver on Beulah Land. My friend, he's in Beulah Land now. But through all that, he was still in church. Another one by the name of Roger McAllister, same thing. They brought in a chair and set him in there, and he'd sit back. Used to sing, and they'd take a microphone back to him. Had a beautiful voice, a great singer. By then, because of the cancer and everything, his voice was gone. But he gave it everything he could. He did what he could to sing. His voice would crack and crumble. Didn't even sound like him. But he did what he could. A little boy by the name of Jerome would pick him up on the bus. One day, Jerome got saved. Jerome was 23, 25 he had downs. Wore cowboy boots all the time. His feet turned in like this. Had all the signs of the downs. He wore a big old cowboy belt buckle. Cowboy hat. He'd sit on the front row. Brother Parker would be preaching. One day, to the best of his ability, he accepted Christ as his Savior. He said, preacher, he gets saved. To the best of his ability, he got saved. And he wanted to get baptized. Brother Parker, we got his mom to come, and she sat back there in the back, and she wept and cried. Brother Parker got him up there in the baptistry, baptized him, brought old Jerome back up out of that water. He stuck out his chest. He looked out across the auditorium. He goes, and he did what he could with what he had. I could stand here all night and talk about people that did what they could with what they had. Here, Gaius, he did what he could with what he had. He was sick. He, he, had, he didn't have much as far as finances, but he did what he could. He walked for the Lord. He walked in truth and he helped others to, to get the gospel out and to get others to Christ. Gaius lived out his testimony. He didn't just give a testimony. You know, sometimes we, we ask for testimonies in the auditorium and tell us about the time you got saved or, or share with us what the Lord's laid on your heart and people go, well, God's good, you know, and we'll, we'll give our testimony about when we got saved. Gaius here, we find he lived out his testimony. He didn't just give a testimony, he lived it out. Look at verse 3, it says, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified. It wasn't Gaius, it was when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. They seen it in him. Even as thou walkest in truth. And don't make me go back and preach what truth is. Truth is Jesus Christ. 
And he walked in Jesus Christ, the way of God, the way of the Lord Jesus Christ, the way of salvation, the way of the gospel. Well, however you want to frame it, the way of God's word. He was walking in truth so that others could see it. And they gave testimony of it. His testimony was the way he lived that others could see it in his life. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Living daily in, in truth. We have all heard the old saying, words are cheap. Meaning that you can say things that, that sound good, but what really matters is your life that backs up those words. Gaius uh, he lived it. He backed up those words that he might have said and that he shared with others, telling what the difference was in his life. And he backed it up with his walk, with his, with his actions and all that he did. Here we have others giving the testimony of how Gaius is living for the Lord and the blessing that he is to them. Well, I'll tell you what, that all the way, that's the way it ought to be. It ought to be people say, boy, you know, so-and-so, man, I tell you what, what a blessing. Man, they're living for God. Boy, I tell you what, God's using them. Oh, what a sweet spirit they've got in the Lord. Oh, boy, I tell you what, I was over visiting with them. And oh, I tell you what, God is so good. They're, they're such a good Christian. And man, they love God. Oh, they love the Lord. And oh, I tell you what, I was down and he encouraged me. I was, I was in need and he helped me and, and all these things. And, and giving a good testimony about somebody of how they're living for the Lord, walking in truth. There was an impact made in their lives by the walk of Gaius. Living out his faith in the Lord, not just saying he had it on Sunday, but he lived it every day. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, not only when I'm there. Paul said, not only when I'm there, he said, but now much more in my absence while I'm gone. He said, you're still living for God. You're serving God, he says. And then he goes on and says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And it's not talking about salvation by works there. It's talking about bringing out your salvation. Hey, listen, when you receive Christ, uh, he comes in to dwell within your heart. He says, listen, it needs to get on the outside and walk in truth. When people see our lives and how we live day by day, if we'll walk in truth, that's living out, working out that salvation so that others can see Jesus Christ. Just like an old car that's got dead paint on it, you get down and you begin to rub that with a, a buffing cloth and that shine will come back out from underneath that dead paint. Hey, listen, in your heart and life, we need to bring that out by our walk and living for the Lord Jesus Christ so that others can see that walk in our lives and see the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts and lives. That's what Gaius was taking place in his life. They was given testimony of how he was living for the Lord. It's bringing out that truth of God's salvation in your life by living, not just saying you have it. And by his life, they could see a difference. I'm going to tell you, let me, let me share this way. Why is it so important? My, I would call him one, one of or my best friend, Jeff Parker. We, was, we went to school together. My, my brother's married to his sister. We went to church together. We played basketball together. We, went, we, we graduated together. We did a lot of things together. 
We went to church sometimes. At one point, I was in a different church than what he was because his dad was pastor in another church, and I was at, at Tabernacle Baptist Church there in Piedmont, and, and then Brother Parker came and took that church as a pastor there, and, and of course, Jeff was there. But before Jeff came there, I got saved. But the difference was that when Jeff and I was going to church before I got saved, I knew that Jeff had something that I did not have. I said I was saved. I said I was going to heaven. But I knew in my heart that if I died right then, that I would drop off into a devil's hell and never have another chance of getting saved. And finally, I got to the place where I seen in his life that he had something we, we tried to do right. We, I tried to live right. I tried to obey my parents. I tried to obey my teachers. I tried to obey the law. I tried to do all those things that you're supposed to do as a good person. And my friend, there was still something missing in my heart and life. And I could see it in Jeff's life. I could see it in his walk. I could hear it in his talk. I could see it in different things. That didn't mean that he was perfect but it did mean that he was trying to walk in truth. And I remember thinking, I need what he has. That's why it's so important that we walk in truth. That when people look at us as we walk in truth, they will say, they're not perfect, but I need what they've got. Walking in truth. Gaius was walking in truth. And as those came through there, they seen how that he didn't have much, that he was a sickly man. But oh, how he was living for God, how he was living for the Lord Jesus Christ. And no doubt many of them thought, I need what he's got. And receive Jesus Christ as Savior, or even as Christians, help them to grow, to, to begin to live uh, before the world so that others could see Jesus Christ making an impact, making a difference in their lives. Every single Christian here tonight, your life should be making an impact in somebody else's life. You may not know who it is. You may not realize that it is. But I'm going to tell you something. It ought to be making an impact. If you're living for the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're walking in truth, you're going to be making an impact in somebody's life. It might be a family member. It might be a neighbor. It might be a co-worker. It might be an acquaintance that you see on a regular basis, maybe at the store or, or wherever, and, and, and they, they, they watch, they're watching you. That walk ought to make a difference in their lives. Gaius brought that out. He stood for the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize that if we don't do that, that souls are going to die without Jesus Christ? And they're going to drop off into a lake of fire forever and ever. And their only hope is what we have, and that's Jesus Christ. Where he went to the cross and died in our place, took our sins upon him, shed his precious blood, and that we might have forgiveness of sin, that we might be cleansed from all unrighteousness, rose again from, from the grave on the third day. Because he lives, we can live also. We're sinners, and we needed Jesus Christ as our Savior. Gaius was living this out so that they could see this in his life. See, walking in truth is a continual walk in the Lord before men. Look at verse 5. It says, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren, 
and to the strangers. John's saying those things that you're doing and what they're seeing and what they're testifying of, he says, you're doing it faithfully. He said, you're, you're, you're faithful at doing it. He said, it's not just a, okay, I feel like doing it today and then not doing it tomorrow. He said, you're doing it faithfully. Thou doest faithfully, not just when it's easy, not just when the, the preacher's around or folks are, are there to brag on you or slap you on the back for it, not just when it's convenient, but faithfully. Folks, we need Christians to walk for the Lord faithfully. I don't know how many times I have visited with Christians who have been hurt by other Christians because they haven't walked faithfully in the Lord, where they haven't been consistent and, and tried to live for God. I'm not saying perfect. I'm not talking about that. I'm not, we all are going to stumble. We're all going to fail at times. But I'm talking about living faithfully to the best of our ability. Not only was he faithful, but his walk in truth was before everybody. Absolutely everybody. Look at it, it says, to the brethren. He says, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren. Otherwise, those who are saved. Those who are of the church. You know that we ought to live in such a way for one another. We ought to live for the Lord for one another. That we might encourage one another. Every one of us needs encouragement. Every one of us needs somebody that we can look to that helps us uh, keep on going. Somebody that encourages our life. Somebody that kind of gives, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Hey, hey boy, I'll tell you what, what a blessing it was talking to old Dustin today, man. I'll tell you what, what a blessing it was. And, and it helps us through the day and helps us through the week and, and helps us through this. And if we'll live faithfully for the Lord as brethren. Because every single person in this room, you're going to get down, you're going to get discouraged sometime. You're going to face a battle sometime and you need to be able to look to a brother in Christ and say, I know that he went through that. I can go through it. If he can do that, I can do that. Maybe it's for one another that we see the need in somebody's life and if we live faithful, we can go to them and say, hey, listen, I want you to know I'm praying for you. I doubt there's a person in this room that wants somebody praying for you. Say, preacher, I don't know who to pray for. Pray for me then. Get one of those church directories and start praying for every family in there. That's your brethren. There's times I walk in this auditorium and I'll walk this auditorium for 30 minutes. You say, we're going to have to replace the carpet. As I walk by every pew, I begin to call people by name. That's why it messed me up this morning. <laughs> I'm going to have trouble from now on. <laughs> no, I'll just put you back in the same pew you was. You sit where you want to. I'll keep you in mind where you're at. Honestly, I, I do. I go through here, and I can visually, through my mind, I, I know where most people sit usually. We're creatures of habit. I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying it's the way it is. And I'll walk by there, and a lot of times when I walk through there, and I'll walk up and down these, these, these pews sometimes, and I'll even put my hand on there, especially if it's somebody that I know is going through a difficult time. I'll put my hand on there, feeling like, Lord, you know what's going on in their life. You know the need that they have, and praying for them. What if we all did that? I'm not saying you got to come up here to church and do that. You can. The door's unlocked. But if you take and make you a prayer list, 
and be faithful to pray for one another. We need one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to strengthen the brethren. When somebody begins to miss a little bit here and there, we ought to begin to worry about it and maybe call them or go see them and say, is there, is there a problem? Maybe it's a health problem. Maybe there's a need that they have. Or maybe the old devil's got them down and, and given them the what for, and we need to help them fight the battle and get them up back on, on their feet again and going again. But he said, you was faithful and you walked before the brethren. But not only the brethren, look what he says there. Those that you knew, to strangers. Those that you met for the first time. Those that he didn't know. Even those who were lost. Every one of us run across people like that every day, don't we? That don't know Jesus Christ. You don't know them by name. Maybe it's the first time you ever met them. Maybe you've met them a time or two, but you still don't know who they are. They're strangers basically to you. But you're to walk in truth. And you say, what do you mean walk in truth? That's living for the Lord Jesus Christ so they can see Jesus Christ in your heart and life. That's your attitude, the way you talk, the way you act. And we could go on and list all the things about living for Christ and sharing Jesus Christ with them. A sweet spirit so that they can see Jesus Christ in your life. Strangers. A lot of times, unless my mind is on something else, a lot of times I'm driving down the road and, and Janine's asked me before, I'll be driving down the street or whatever and, and meet somebody and I'll wave like that and she'll say, who's that? I said, I have no idea. You say, why you do it? Oh, it messes with them for a while. They're trying to figure out who you are. <laughs> no, because I may meet them somewhere along the line and they see my face and they say, and it opens a door that I might be a witness to them. I go to the gas station. I'll talk to people I don't know. How are you doing today? Well, pretty good. Whatever it might be. Sometimes I'll be able to give them a gospel track. Sometimes not. But at least I'm going to be friendly to them and try to, to be a good, a good example and treat them with kindness. You see, as he was doing that, you know, the strangers and, and, and meeting those. You know, and you got to realize that you know, living this way, walking this way, that's at church. That's at home. Living that, that way, walking after the Lord, walking in truth at church, at home. That's at the family gatherings, the people you know that it doesn't, it, you don't stop because you get some family together and they don't want to go to church and they don't care about church. You don't stop living for God then. You keep walking in, in truth. Walking in truth at at church camps and events so that others that are there that are, whether they're saved or whether they're lost, that they might see Jesus Christ. That's when, and that's when you, you're out with the Christians and you, and you, that you've met for the first time. You continue to walk in, in truth and be that example among those that you know. That, that's the brethren. But then you go on from there and it's even at Walmart. People you don't know. Strangers you meet on the street. It's at that restaurant where you, your meal is brought to you and, and it's not the way you thought it ought to be. Uh-oh. There's not a single soul worth a $15 steak in the way it's cooked. 
I've seen, I've seen Christians order a steak and boy, they cut it and it's not cooked just the way they thought it ought to be cooked or they get something else that's not fixed the way they... It didn't look like that in the picture in the, in the, in the menu. I thought I was supposed to get this with that. Well, no, that's a side order. You got to, you know, well, that, no, you got to, you know. And all of a sudden they lay their Christianity aside. They, they, they lay that aside, the walking in truth aside. Can you tell me that that person's soul is worth whatever that meal cost? It's not. We're to walk in truth. I've actually known of people that wouldn't go to church because of Christians that went to their restaurants and the way they acted and what they did about meals that wasn't the way they thought it ought to be. That's sad. That's at work where you, others are talking in ungodly ways. You're still to walk in truth. There's been lots of times that people's told jokes and stuff when I've been at the bus barn or wherever it is. And everybody starts laughing and I'm just standing there. And, have, and a lot of times they'll turn and look at me. And you know what the next thing they do? I'm sorry. I've had them say things and then... I turn around and walk out sometimes. I don't, give, I don't preach them a message. They know. But I'm going to walk in truth. I'm not going to change and laugh at their jokes just to be a part of the crowd. We're to walk in truth. Say, preacher, you're meddling now. That's when you're on vacation, miles and miles away from home, and you'll never see those people again. Walk in truth. Walk in truth. We walk in truth of the Lord for the, for the Lord. We're walking in truth for the Lord and not for man. Understand that. Well, it, because if you're walking in truth for man, then when you're around a different type of man, you'll quit walking in truth. But if you walk in truth for the Lord, not for man, then man will get the benefit out of you walking in truth for the Lord. Does that make sense? And so we walk in truth. We walk after the Lord Jesus Christ. We walk after the Word of God. We walk after the Spirit of God. We walk after the things of God. We're all to be helpers of, of truth at all times. John, there he says in verse 7, he says, Because that for thy name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. He was a helper. They had lack of nothing. And then we need to be careful not to be a Diophysis. Look in verse 9. It says, I wrote unto the church of Diophysis, but Diophysis, who loveth to have the preeminence. Notice that he, he, was, he wrote to the church, but there's this guy by the name of Diophysis there. He says he loved to have the preeminence among them. Otherwise, he was a dictator. He was a hard nose, and everything's his way. He, see, he said, He receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, pratting against us with malicious words, otherwise lying about them, and not content wherewith. 
Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, otherwise he's not walking after the things of God, and forbiddeth them that would, would, and casteth them out of the church. Behold, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. See, Diophysus was one in that did not walk in truth, he, but he wanted dominion. He wanted the, 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 the slap on the back. He wanted everybody to look at him as though he was something great. He didn't want to serve. He wanted to be served. Can I tell you something? You know, as a pastor, I'm called a minister. And you know what a minister is? A minister is a servant. And that's exactly what I should be as a servant. We got it messed up sometimes as Christians. Jesus Christ himself girded himself, laid his robe aside, girded himself with a cloth and, and a towel. And he took the disciples and set them down and he took a pan of water and he himself began to wash their feet, showing them that he was a servant even unto them and that they should be likewise to others. We're to serve one another. We're to encourage one another. There's no one in this room that's better than anybody else. And we are to serve and to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and walk in truth. He was the one that had a critical spirit, always critical about everything. Oh, well, you know, I don't like what the preacher said, or I don't believe that. Critical about absolutely everything. I'm not saying you got to agree with me on everything. We're not going to agree with 100% on everything. But I'm going to tell you what, if we'll walk in truth, there won't be no problem there. He was the one that wanted to receive of others, but did not want to serve others. He was that one that thought everything had to be his way. It was all about him and not about serving the Lord and being a testimony and a blessing to others, encouraging others. And the Lord giving to others. It was convenient, selfish Christianity. Claiming salvation. But living for self. And in closing, we need to walk in truth. And live out truth in our lives daily. Look again in verse 4. It says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. John had been through there. John had started the church. John had led many of them to the Lord. That's why he called them his children. He said, I have no greater joy than to know that they're walking in truth. Over the years, I've been fortunate enough to, of course, pastor at another church. I was fortunate enough to be a youth pastor for 17 years. I've got teenagers that are scattered in different places and they're in there serving the Lord. And boy, what a joy it is to hear about teenagers that was in my youth department that got saved under the ministry and, and that we got to help train that is serving God. The young man that was pastoring up in Trenton was a young man that was in my youth department, Brian Wilson. And Brian now is pastoring my home church in Piedmont. What a joy it is to see him walking in truth, serving God. Living for the Lord. So as we walk in truth, 
and live out truth in our daily lives. We need to let our light shine. We need to let our light be light, not darkness. We need to let our testimony be seen, not just heard. We need to let our love be real, not fake. We need to let the glory of God be revealed, not hidden. We need to let our words build up and encourage others in the Lord instead of tearing them down. We need to to let our actions be godly actions and let our talk be holy talk. Doing for others that they might see Jesus in us. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see, that they may see, that they may see, that they may see your good works and do what? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Gaius, I wish that your health and your finances would prosper just like your, just like your soul's prospering. Serving God. I know you're sickly and weak and that you don't have much, but boy, you're, what you've got you're using for God. And you're living for God. Oh, that we could have the same thing said about us. And we can. That we would walk in truth. Let's bow. Father, we thank you for loving us. Lord, we thank you for your mercies and goodness to us. Lord, help us to walk in truth that others might see Jesus Christ in us. Lord, not just on Sundays, but every day. Not to just the brethren, but to strangers. Not to just a few favorites, but to everyone. Help us to use that which we have to bring honor and glory to your name, to help others to know you, and to see greater things in their lives in Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to be that encouragement, that strength to our brothers in Christ. Help us to pray and to seek your face. Help us to bring honor and glory to your name. Lord, if there's one here tonight that doesn't know Christ their Savior, I pray, Lord, that they might even come during the invitation. Let us take a Bible, show them I'll be saved. But, Lord, have your will and way in each of our lives. For this we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, no one looking around?